Hi guys, I'm Anna and in today's live talk you will find out some pretty useful information about wines and I've invited a sommelier. She's going to answer my questions and share information about wine. I see Nico, you're here. One moment. Hello. Hello, nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too, finally. Yeah. Person. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much for coming. And okay, let's start. Yes, let's start. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is like to be wine expert and marketer? Marketer, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so first of all, I'm actually a certified sommelier. I've mm -hmm. done my uh, uh, courses in London. So I've done a WSET uh, level three, which is the advanced level just before the diploma, and the Court of Master Sommelier uh, entry and certified level. Mm -hmm. And before I was working a little bit, like a little bit like in 10 years in hospitality. And lately I moved to Austria. So I live in Austria and um, now I have a, a four month old baby boy. So he is actually my whole day. <laughs> yeah. So this is my full time job at the moment, <laughs> not the sommelier part, but the the baby part. And the next to this, I'm doing the Wine and Chi, which is a website, a wine blog uh, mm -hmm. with educational stuff, uh, a little bit of uh, wine marketing, mm -hmm. uh, but mainly wine marketing is going on here on Instagram. So that means that I uh, help wineries to to show their wines uh, to my audience to find new uh, potential clients and even distributors uh, all around the world. Um, yeah, and it's pretty exciting. And be a wine expert, it means that it's a never-ending learning story. So mm -hmm. you're always learning, learning, learning because this world is always changing. <laughs> Oh, Always changing. Okay. Wow. What yes. changes like the uh, information about wine or wine in general, like change their taste or technology? Uh, the technology is changes all the time and the appellations. So uh, sometimes you have uh, new appellations coming up or uh, like it's not like coming up. They've never been there before. They just didn't have the designation maybe to put on the label. So to know this all these kind of things because if people are asking about it like uh, uh, propose me a wine from spain mm -hmm. that now you have to know that for example you have a new designation so if you read a label you have to know that where is this wine come from if it is a new wine or or uh, lately it, it was uh, two years ago that um, some requirements in uh, rio had changed so how to uh, age the wine or how mm -hmm. long they age the wine. So uh, why it is reserva and reserva. So it, it slightly changed. So these things are always, you have to be up to date with it. Uh -huh. So it, it's always a, a never ending story to learn about it, actually. Yeah, I see. But how yeah. does, for example, an ordinary person know like which wine or which wines in general are good? Like how? Like should they focus on like price, region, grape wine, brand, like or something else? <laughs> Yeah, this is difficult huh? when you go in a wine shop and you want to find a good wine. I yes. mean, that's, you know, usually wine shop, if you go in a wine shop, it's already yes. good stuff. Yes. Because usually wine shop, they really um, source wine usually from the producer. Mm -hmm. So, um, or 
sometimes with big distributors, but usually uh, sometimes you have it from from uh, from the producer itself, and they taste the wines and they really uh, put there because they believe in the wine. So it's mm -hmm. already a good start to find a good one. If you go in a supermarket, it's a bit more difficult, of yes. course. Um, so honestly, what I'm doing, I skip the the shelf on the bottom <laughs> because uh, yeah, sometimes you have to check the price, or most of the time you have to check the price because. Um, to make good wine or at least a nice drinkable easy to drink but drinkable wine which is which gonna give you pleasure uh, it costs okay. so usually it costs as much that don't go kind of don't really go under under six seven euros if you go under six seven euro it's usually big production maybe they don't use just the good uh, quality grapes they put a bit Mm -hmm. like this like that in it so um usually if you want to find a good drinkable wine that it's up to six seven euros for sure okay uh, up, up, uh, if you go under it i would say it's really nice to cook with it so it's there you can cook with the wine but mm -hmm. to to really to enjoy it go a bit further than i would say 10 15 euro it's already a really really good price and after this, if you go further uh, longer, it means that they maybe uh, age the wine in oak barrel. Oak barrel costs a lot. Uh, it has to spend time in the oak barrel. So spend time and labor intense uh, winemaking. It costs because it actually uh, doesn't make as much money for the winemaker if it's just in the winery. So mm -hmm. imagine if you have wine for two and a half years in the oak barrel, you have a wine that actually you have it in your, in your winery for, for almost two years and then you're not touching it. So after you have to get back this. Uh, uh, uh -huh. Three years this means uh, very good for wine. Just like for if I go to the supermarket and I see like this wine was produced uh, 2017, for example. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. So it ah. means that. Ah. Uh, I mean, it means that it has already uh, been aged a bit, and that in this case you always have to a little bit check the the price because okay. it can it it can be an old vintage. So basically. Most of the wines, like really most of the wines, 90% of the wines, they are produced uh, ready to drink. Mm -hmm. So when it is on the market, you can already drink it. Uh, a really, really small portion, 5 to 10% of the whole wine production is made to actually keep the wine for a longer period of time in your cellar and enjoy it maybe 5 to 10 years later. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. <laughs> Uh, for example, when I go to the restaurant and like yeah. a waiter or sommelier pours me a glass of wine, like <laughs> how to taste it? Like what should I do? Like all the time I'm so, a bit confused. <laughs> yeah. So actually the thing is that you don't have to taste the wine. What you have to do with the wine, and the most important is to smell it. To smell it. Because okay. basically what you have to do when the sommelier or the, the waiter pours you the wine is actually just to... Uh, to make sure that the wine is not faulty. You don't have any fault on the wine because you actually, if you've been in a good place, it has been already explained to you. So probably you're gonna like the wine. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't gonna like the wine, you have to wait for it because maybe you're not gonna like the wine itself, but with the food is gonna be delicious. So mm -hmm. you don't know that. Uh, oh. But mm -hmm. uh, when you smell the wine, you're gonna already feel if it is faulty or not because the faults, you can smell it straight away. So if the wine is a bit vinegary or a bit like a wet cupboard or something like this, then it's usually corked or has some different other um, ports in it. So the wine smells unpleasant, 
this is what you have to actually confirm to the waiter or the sommelier. Usually where I was working, um, the last place I was working in a Michelin star restaurant, we usually pull, open the wine uh, mm -hmm. before we uh, presented it. I mean, yeah. we presented the bottle yes. and then we went back to our station, because our sommelier station, we opened it and we actually smelled it. Mm -hmm. So we never went back to the table, usually with the 40 wine. Sometimes happens. But uh, not a lot of times, because sometimes it, may, it uh, gives time. So you need a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds to open up and then shows the wine itself. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually if I uh, felt that it's faulty, I already took the next bottle and opened it straight away. And then I went back with the, with the good bottle of wine to the, to the customer. So it's not like we want to play along uh, as a sommelier that you're not seeing if, you, if they're not opening the wine in front of you. It's because to make sure that the, your wine is going to be good. Uh -huh. in a good uh, uh, quality. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So okay. you have to smell it. Okay. And how, uh, like, do you choose a wine which is best for fish or meat? Like, how to understand, like, this wine is exactly what I need to drink with, for example, fish? Oh. So you have two components in the wine, which is really, really important to um, pair it. Mm -hmm. uh, one is the acidity, mm -hmm. and the other one is the tannin. So uh, acidity, you have all wines, you have acidity, uh, which is a really, really important part to uh, choose uh, a wine with food. So if you have a food with high acidity, mm -hmm. you have to have a, a wine with high acidity as well to match it. Because if not, the wine is going to be a little bit um, like, um, I don't know, uh, uh, I just forgot the word in English, I don't know why, um, like uh, flat. Uh -huh. next to the food because it's not going to give you the freshest the mm -hmm. freshness that actually the food gives mm -hmm. and actually the other part that you were asking about fish and meat is the tannin structure so tannin i don't know if you know what tannin is it's basically this dryness which the red wine usually gives you yes i understood yes uh -huh. um if you have tannins only in red wine uh uh, in present in red wines so mm -hmm. in white wine you don't really have um, tannins mm -hmm. so uh, red wines you can uh, pair with fish mm -hmm. uh, it's up to you after um, it depends on the the garnish and the sauce if you have a richer sauce or a richer garnish usually you choose a richer wine as well like a bit more oak-aged a bit more complex wine that can go as well with a richer fish um, uh, meat uh, plate. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have like raw seafood, like oysters or something, then it's preferably you can choose a, a lighter wine, a bit more mineral, uh, not too oaky, really, really fresh wine to lift up the, all these flavors comes from the raw fish and the oh, oysters, oh. for example, or seafood. Uh, when you have a meat, this is where tanning comes to, to the picture. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 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 protein in the uh, the meat usually in uh, beef when you mm -hmm. eat like a rare meat uh, beef fillet you know uh, it's pairs really well with the tannin of the of the red wines mm -hmm. so that's why we pair actually the beef uh, uh, with the red wine mm -hmm. because of the tannins that it works really well with the protein in your in your palate actually or with the raw part of the of the the beef uh, what about so, uh -huh, sorry <laughs> if you have if you have a fish you can still pair it with the red wine 
in Bora rosé wine in the in the mm-hmm. in the case because you don't really have uh, tannins in rosé wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some uh, red wines that are really really low in tannin that you almost not really feel it or just like slightly. So in this case, you can still pair red wine with the uh, fish too. Because if you pair a really tannic wine with a fish, it's going to happen that you eat the, uh, you always taste, you have first the food in your palate and then you drink the wine on it. Mm -hmm. And if you drink a tannic wine on a fish, um, it's going to taste a bit metallic in your palate. Uh And it's not so pleasant. (laughs) So that's why you're not really, that's why you're not pairing actually heavy red wine with fish. It's not because someone said, I don't want to. It's because of the structure of the wine and the structure of the food. Uh, what about cheese? Like, how should I choose like cheese, which uh, is nice for it, and or like uh, white wines, or it doesn't matter with cheese? Um, um, I'm not saying it doesn't really matter, but mm-hmm. for me, it's not that. I mean, um, what I really like to pair with cheese, which is really, really. Um, um, convenient for all kinds of cheeses if you don't want to go into detail like every yes, cheese yes, yes, yes. has its own I mean something very popular <laughs> big, uh, port. port port is a really really good choice uh, port is red usually um, so red port sweet it's sweet uh, it doesn't have a lot of tannins uh, it has more alcohol in it but the sweetness and uh, and and all all these uh, things actually what makes the port a port it really goes well with for me it's like an ultimate choice of the the cheese this mm-hmm. is why they but after you have always um, uh, different like uh, classic pairing like uh, uh, goat cheese goes well with tonster mm-hmm. or um, uh, red wines goes well with uh, hard cheeses these are that is that kind of things but uh, if you really want to go um like one wine with cheeses it's usually the fortified wines which are uh, has been uh, enhanced with alcohol mm-hmm. so you have a rich, richer wine uh, usually they are sweeter mm-hmm. uh, so it goes actually quite nicely with the cheese uh-huh nice <laughs> Okay, thank you. And the next question is, like we are talking about food and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> around, about uh, glasses for wine. Like, uh, like, how important is it to have like special glasses and like which glasses like works, uh, work better for red wine or white wines? Like the rule of <laughs> this. Uh, the rule of glasses, um, usually... Uh, when you have a lighter white wine, you can choose a bit uh, smaller uh, shaped glass. And when you have a red wine, you can choose a bigger one. Now what I'm having is uh, mm-hmm. called actually a red wine glass. I already bring one with some mm-hmm. wine, sorry. Um, <laughs> and uh, so basically what is the most important is that part and this part mm-hmm. of the glass. So here you're going to have enough space that when you sweep the glass, it actually can um, uh, have contact with oxygen Mm -hmm. and the oxygen is going to release the aromas and the flavors of the wine much more. Mm -hmm. So that's why you need a bigger glass for a bigger wine because it needs more oxygen to to release all the flavors and aromas if it is a more complex wine. That's why if you have a bit uh, lighter style, Mm -hmm. then uh, you can have a smaller one. 
And the second part of the glass is basically uh, the mouth of the glass. Mm -hmm. It has to be smaller than this part here because it has to actually uh, concentrate the flavors to your nose. Because if the wine, or if the glass is like this or like this, the aromas is going to go away everywhere. So mm -hmm. when you're going to smell, it's not going to concentrate to your nose. So that's why all the glass is a bit uh, shaped like this part is smaller than that part here. Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the, the stem, which you always have to touch oh, the glass yeah. from the stem. It's the only uh, thing, because if you touch it here, mm -hmm. you're going to warm up the wine. Mm -hmm. Plus, if you're really tasting the wine like professionally, you cannot really see the wine if you already put all the fingerprints all over the, the wine. So you have to check the color and the, 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 the everything, actually, uh, when you check the wine. If you do it like this, you cannot really do it. <laughs> I can um, I hold like glass like this if inside is a red wine, for example, and to warm it a bit? Oh, I can't. <laughs> is it like uh, good for wine or not? In not really, not, not really. really. Uh -huh. But what you can do, if you really want to hold the glass like this, if you yes. drink cognac or whiskey, because uh -huh. if you drink cognac, then you have to oh, warm it up do. a little bit. Ah, that's why. So you can. But uh -huh. if not, if it's wine, it's better to that way. <laughs> better to hold yeah. it, okay. Or, or sometimes we do that way, but it's like, it's just like uh -huh. wine stuff or wine people stuff that we go. For example, I like to do this when I go in a big tasting. So I have my glass like this i can yes. still put here for example a note and i still can write down my notes so you can hold the wine you can put a paper in it and you can still write down while you're tasting so and oh. you don't have to sit down but oh. it's just like when you go in a wine tasting <laughs> no, no it's like <laughs> <hack. laughs> kind yes. of like hack. okay uh, and yeah. how should people uh, keep wine and how for how like uh, for how many days after they've opened it so, I have a bottle here for you. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. This bottle is sealed with cork. So, this is the most common wine yes. at the moment. Uh -huh. Now, it's getting more and more the screw top, you know, mm -hmm. when you can just turn around and it's already open. Ah, yes. When you have a cork, yeah. Uh -huh. When you have a cork, uh, usually, if you really want to keep the wine uh, for a longer time, you have to lay down the bottle. It's because um, the wine is going to touch the cork. Mm -hmm. So it's going to keep it uh, wet. It's not going to dry out. So the wine is not going to get contact with the oxygen because as long, well, as soon as the wine uh, is um, contact with the oxygen, uh, the wine is, can get go wrong mm -hmm. for a long time. The wine is going to go off, basically. Mm -hmm. Because if you keep it like this, yes. the wine is not in the contact anymore with the cork. It's going to dry out. So it's going to get smaller. Uh -huh trivial and then the oxygen can go, go through and then destroy the wine. Uh -huh. But for example, with the wine in a screw top, you don't have this problem because it's already a screw top, so you can keep it just like this. You don't have to uh -huh. lay it down. Uh, as when you open the wine and how long can you keep it, it depends on the wine sometimes. Usually you can keep longer red wines uh, up to a week. Uh, but uh, uh -huh. yeah, I, I usually do it and I still enjoy the wine. <laughs> so, uh -huh. uh, but everyone has a different opinion. I can tell you, everyone has a different opinion. No one has the same one. Uh -huh. And uh, for white wine, uh, better to put it in a fridge 
and uh, keep it for a couple of days. You can still keep it for four to five days, in my opinion. It's not going to go wrong, especially if you close it back, even with the, with the cork, if you just put back the cork. Mm-hmm. And this is an important thing with the red wine, to put back the cork. So if you keep the wine, if you want to keep the wine a longer period to drink it like in a week or so, always put back the cork because the oxygen is going to just go and do his stuff with the wine and, and it's going to change the wine completely. Sometimes it's a good thing with big, big, bold wines. It's a good thing uh, mm-hmm. before you drink it, but it's another uh, subject. But if you want to keep it for drink it the day after or the day after, uh, it's better if you put back the cork and not let the, the wine uh, uh-huh. contact with the oxygen. Uh, red wine I can keep, for example, uh, here in the kitchen without like, <laughs> like just three days. I can keep it with, without thinking that something will happen or it will expire. Yeah, you know? uh, for a couple of days, yes, but don't uh-huh. really start to cook next to the wine because uh-huh. heat is again heat, another yes. thing that he doesn't like. <laughs> wine doesn't like heat as well. Uh-huh. So you have to keep the wine. This is another thing if you want to keep the wine. You keep it preferably in a cellar, but mm-hmm. always around uh, at least um, maximum 15 to 18 uh, degree, but not more than that. Uh-huh. Not more than that. Yeah. Okay, now I will start <laughs> because usually I put my bottle of wine to the fridge for three days and I said, okay, three days, it is expired already. We have to throw you away. Have to taste. You, have to, you have to always taste. There's no harm to taste. There's never a harm to taste. Oh. If it is still gives you pleasure, then why not? If you feel it that is like, oh, then yeah, throw it away. But you never know. And in any case, even if the wine is like expired, as you said, you can still cook with it. So yes. for cooking, it's still, it's still good for cooking, actually. There's no, no, no problem to cook. Even, even a faulty wine, you can cook with it, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> because you're going to cook up, you put it in 100 degree of food, you know, when yes, it's physically yes, it's boiling the food as well, it's mm-hmm. cooking. Uh, these things going to go away from the wine. So mm-hmm. it's like pasteurizing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> kind, <laughs> kind of, kind of, not exactly, but uh, yeah, kind of like it goes away. You fortify the wine. Okay, uh, what are the current trends in wine? What is trendy and popular to drink at events? Okay, okay. now now we don't have <laughs> events, but when events were... <laughs> I know, we're a thing, but Hopefully it will. I should have my wedding in August. I really hope it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yes. I, <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. hope that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not so far. It was actually postponed from last year. I would have been already married. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Anyway, it's a, it's a different subject. Um, so, sommeliers doesn't like popular or trendy things. Uh-huh. We like special things. But if uh-huh. we have to really, really choose uh, trendy things, what usually everyone likes, uh, this is how you choose wines for events because you want something which is a pleaser to everyone. Yeah. Um, white wine, uh, I'm pretty sure you heard about New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. because everyone is drinking New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Exactly. I like and it maybe, very much. <laughs> and maybe the other thing can be a, a Chardonnay, I would say, because Chardonnay, again, everyone knows it. And if you really want to go like mm-hmm. 100% sure, you have one aged in barrels and one like a Chablis style, which is nice, crisp and fresh because... Um, 
Sauvignon Blanc is an aromatic variety, so you're going to have much more aromas in the wine. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Chardonnay, it actually uh, gives much better back the, um, um, the terroir from. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a bit more mineral. Uh, you can play a bit more with the uh, aromas and flavors, but it's usually something that everyone likes. If you give these three choices a white wine, you're safe. Usually I, you're safe. <laughs> uh, what about Pinot, Gri Pinot Grigio? I remember like... Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the other one. And I was thinking... But Pinot, Pinot Grigio is, is out of fashion now. Now we oh, have really? the New Zealand. Now we have New Zealand oh. Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, yes. don't, don't get me wrong. I like the idea. I just uh, sometimes not the fan of it. <laughs> I prefer much uh, the, the Sancerre the French one, but it's only me. But I've tasted really nice New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, but there's a few of them, they make mass, mass production, so it's an everyone pleaser. Mm -hmm. uh, people who doesn't really, really know about wines, but they just drink to, to drink wine. It's a perfect wine. I'm not mm -hmm. saying not. Mm -hmm. um, but this is really a pleaser. And yes, of course, you have the Italian Pinot Grigio, but it, again, Pinot Gris, uh, it's not a super aromatic variety either, so can be a little bit flabby if you made in mass production. But if you make a good Pinot Gris, that it can be like excellent. It can be really, really good. Uh, price. I'm not a big fan of Pinot Grigio either. <laughs> uh, price is important for Pinot Grigio, for example, to buy like ten euro Pinot Grigio fifteen or like how to choose yeah, like, the best of, one. Yes, and it's actually uh, the easiest thing uh, to do is mm -hmm. to check the label. If it is written Pinot Grigio, it means it's from Italy and it's probably from a big, big production uh, made in a really um, Pinot Grigio style, like, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. But it, and it still can come from Italy, and, but if it is labeled Pinot Gris, it's exactly the same variety, but it means uh, made in a French way, uh, more likely in Alsace, uh, and it's going to be a much uh, more serious style of that wine or that grape variety. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is labeled completely different. It's the same case with, for example, Syrah and Shiraz in a, in a red wine. So Shiraz is the one from Australia. It's the same grape variety. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the one from Australia. Uh, Australia Shiraz is actually a really nice, uh, popular wine too. Now it's getting really, really popular from, mm -hmm. usually from the Barosta, but you can find it from all over uh, in Australia. Mm -hmm. And it's usually a big, bold, aged, uh, uh, aged in oak barrels, a lot so it's a really really um alcoholic high high in alcohol uh and then you have the syrah is a bit more restricted a bit more elegant french style wine a bit less oak a bit more uh you get more of the grape variety itself actually and uh, has been aged in in uh, in french oak but a bit less and you have much less alcohol as well in it uh -huh. much much less alcohol Honestly, yeah. honestly, I thought that Shiraz and Syrah are the same. And now I understood, okay. Very they are nice. the same grape variety, mm -hmm. they are the same grape variety, just two different styles of wine, actually. That's, that's all. You have two completely different styles of wine. Uh -huh. Why do some wine cost 15 euro and others 1500? And I know even some wine. Petrus, I think, which cost 10,000 10, euro. Uh, and it's actually, was... <laughs> uh, sometimes just the brand. It's sometimes mm -hmm. just the brand, mm -hmm. uh, but not all the time. 
I'm just I'm just checking now that there's some people here that I know that they say hi. So hi Danielle, hi guys from yes, yeah. uh, USA as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people now here. I mean, a few of them. It's really nice. <laughs> um, so um, usually, if she costs 15 euro, mm-hmm. uh, it means that the wine is quite young. It's not a really really well known producer, or it's the wine uh, that the making it doesn't cost as much for example it's not hand harvested and everything if the wine costs 1500 euro it means that probably the wine is like either super old mm-hmm. uh, or really really prestigious uh, and it made in a really really um labor intense uh, way so it means that hand harvested um um aged in oak barrels or or uh, or anything else so so it means a lot of lot of time to make it a lot of lot of work to make it and if it is close 1500 it means that it's really really prestigious so it, it is from a producer that they have really small production but they are really um wanted like petrus it's like something like this like uh, most of the bordeaux wines they are really expensive they are like this it's because the wine is really wanted uh, you can find really old vintages, cost more, uh, and they have uh, maybe a smaller production as well. Uh, like they taste different. For example, if someone like give you like two glasses of wine and ask you like, can you guess which one costs fifteen hundred and which one fifteen euro? Like ideally, it- yes, you should. <laughs> but. Um, the thing is, with this old Bordeaux classification, uh, is uh, exactly that, that it has made uh, in 1855, uh, 1855 sorry. Mm-hmm. So a long, long time ago, they classified these uh, chateaus, and uh, still, it's still, it's still in, in order. So imagine that it has been uh, almost, almost 200 years that they classified them, and this ranking has never changed. Mm-hmm. So they can still sell the, their wines, uh, even the, the, the second or third grow, but sometimes there's a fifth grow, they're selling their wine much cheaper, but the wine is actually better than the one from a second grow. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's a bit difficult. It, I think it's a little bit of politics maybe in it, and, and a lot of money goes into it. So that's mm-hmm. like, it just sometimes it's just a play of money. So. Yes. I don't know. I, I tasted some really, really, yes, it brands. It, it's, it's basically just the brand sometimes. Yeah. That's when it goes really, really expensive. Yeah. And what are your favorite cheap and expensive wines and why? <laughs> what do we consider expensive? Uh, expensive, I think like about, I don't know, like 100, 200 euro, for example, will take okay. this price range. Okay. That's what I wanted to ask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do we consider? Um, so everyone, hopefully, that knows me, knows my favorite wine, uh, like all-time favorite wine, is a Condrieu from the Rhone Valley. It's actually made from Viognier. It's a white wine, a uh, really small operation, so quite exclusive wine. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, usually it costs around 150 euros, so we can consider it as expensive wine. Uh, but I think um, it could cost more. But because it's not as well known, they can't test the price. But like, as you said, the Bordeaux, which costs 1,500, because it's from Bordeaux and because everyone knows it, so they can ask for 1,500 euros. Um, and cheap wine, 
I don't even know. I actually have a lot. If you consider three point like twenty twenty thirty euros, I have really a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I can't really do. Uh, let's say in general, I really like uh, aromatic uh, white wine. Uh, if I have to maybe highlight one that it can be interesting for people, um, I would say Torontes from Argentina. Uh-huh. Torontes is a great variety, uh, usually uh, from Salta. Salta is actually one of the highest altitude uh, of wines uh, or vineyards in the world. So they are up to 2,000 meters above sea level, really, really high altitude wines. Um, they are a bit uh, similar than Misca wines, but still different. Mm-hmm. But they're really, really nice. A lot of light cheese, a lot of um, citrus flavors, a lot of flour, you know, it's, it's really, really nice. And usually they are quite cheap because they, again, uh, not really well known. Plus it's from Argentina and Argentine wines in general or New World wines, especially from South America. They are not so, so expensive. Um, I think everyone should give it, give it a try to Torontes because it, it's really, really nice. <laughs> Really for nice. you, for your wedding, which wine are you going to uh, to have for your uh, wedding? My Thursday? wedding, yes, for your actually, wedding. Actually, um, I was just talking. He was here. I don't know if he's still here <laughs> because I know that he joined us, but he's not here at the moment. Yeah, he left. Um, as uh, my ex colleague, uh, mm-hmm. he was working with me in London. Uh, a sommelier was having a winery in Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. and uh, I ordered his wine. So I'm going to drink Czech wine in my wedding <laughs> oh, <laughs> from nice. Czech Republic. Actually, my future husband is from Czech Republic, so uh-huh. actually we needed something. The wedding is in Hungary, so we needed something Czech. It's going to be the wine. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, about, like, Again, uh, taste of wine. Like, is the taste of old wine, which is like 10, 15, or 20 year old, different from the same but young uh, age? Yeah. <laughs> and what we yeah. can, like, what we can buy in supermarket, for example. For example, the same, like, uh, Cabernet, the same brand, but one is like 10 years old and another one just one or two. Are they different um, tastes? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They taste different. So, uh, in wine, we say we have, you have three, ta- three types of aromas. You have primary, secondary, and tertiary aromas. Mm-hmm. The primary aromas is basically the one that it's already in the grape. It comes from the grape, like uh, light cheese in Toronto, as I said, or in Gavius Taminer, or um, you, have, uh, you have some uh, peaches and pears in Chenin Blanc, or um, you have green apple in Chablis. Uh, like in Chardonnay, if it comes from a, a really cool climate, or um, or you have the um, the grassy notes in Sauvignon Blanc, for example. So these are the 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 aromas that is uh, uh, naturally there in the grape variety itself. Mm-hmm. And then after you have the secondary aromas, which is comes from the winemaking method. So. That means, for example, the vanilla and the brioche notes. Uh, brioche notes is usually in champagne uh, when they um, lease aging them. I mean, uh, when they eat, uh, age them in the yeast. So it comes from the yeast. Or the vanilla and the chocolate in, uh, in um, red wines uh, when they aged it in oak barrels. So it's, everything comes from the winemaker uh, decision itself. Mm-hmm. And then you have the tertiary aromas 
which comes from the aging of the wine. So that means that uh, the ripe and fresh fruits that you can smell on the wine became uh, dry or like jammy style. So overripe or dried. Um, and then you have some other aromas like sometimes this mushroomy, farmyardy. It comes all uh, with aging. Mm -hmm. So the wine uh, which tastes um, dried fruits and uh, a bit more jammy and then much more... Um, um, like mushroomy or 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 famyardi or uh, or uh, something like this this is gonna be the wine has been already aged and the one uh, with fresh fruit aromas uh, that's gonna be uh, a young wine probably mm. so it tastes because it changes the flavor so you don't have any more the fresh fruit you have only the, already the, the dry fruit only in it if it is aged i mean uh-huh and which wine works as an investment because i know like wine <laughs> uh like a lot of people they buy wines like as an investment and they yeah i find it like very first of all very complicated because you have to keep it you have to like to know a lot of things <laughs> how to like <laughs> to no, keep your money. <laughs> you can actually can find uh, businesses that they um they do everything for you. You just basically just give the money and then you get the money out and that's all. <laughs> but they uh, keep the wine for you. So they do the storage, they do the selling, they do the, the buying and everything. You just basically put the money in and get, get the money out. Um, but what you usually uh, better to invest is wines really well known or exclusive. Uh, mm -hmm. And it can age for a really, 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 really long time. Uh -huh. For example, so, I, I, I can't buy something from the supermarket and keep, and keep it 10 years. I can't do this. Yeah? It doesn't work. <laughs> it depends on the wine, you know, it oh. depends on the wine. But in this case, you really have to know the wine. Uh -huh. uh, but the thing is that these wines that it goes to invest, it's already a bit expensive to buy them. Uh -huh. All right. yeah. Because the thing is, if you buy, for example, now a buy... For example, you buy, I just give an example, like I don't even know the prices, to be honest, because I'm not really checking the price mm -hmm. of the really expensive wines. But you buy a really good Bordeaux wine, for example, uh, 300 euro a bottle. You keep it for 20, 25 years. Probably the wine is going to go out from the market. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's going to be sold out. Mm -hmm. So you can sell your wine much more expensive because it's going to be a rarity from that moment mm -hmm. but in this case you have to hold this wine for 20 25 years <laughs> oh, interesting so, but you know the second time yeah the second question is who these people who buy wine and for example who buy like wine for not as an investment just to drink it to enjoy it like there are a lot of uh, people yes who just have this kind of enthusiasm <laughs> yes. yeah. with a lot of money i don't know <laughs> i want to be that person <laughs> because i thought there you have to be i don't know very educated i mean like uh, to know about wines to know about like tastes like to, to have this knowledge yes i think these are most likely the advisors for the people who has money to do this investment. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can actually, there's a lot of people, they working as an advisor for people, which wine to invest in it and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in this case, 
the person who who invests mm-hmm. doesn't need to know a lot it can just enjoy it or just have the money in and the money out and the advisor is the one who has to know about the wine actual wine and everything mm-hmm. yeah okay nice and the last question is about gadgets like i saw or like uh on billboards outside like on tv on instagram there are so many gadgets which let you take a wine without like uh removing this uh uh cork cork uh, are you are you mean the coravan or something Car- like that? yes uh, coravan and there um, are other brands. i can't i can't grab mine because it's far away and i can't i can't stand up at the moment is it working But, yes <laughs> Is it, it is working. Yeah. Is it, it useful? Is. Like, uh, like, is it a good for track? me? Is really this okay. is this is how? Look, I was actually just coravan this wine because I have the cork in it. I didn't remove the cork, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but the wine is out in my glass. So basically, how does it work? Oh, I can't. Oh, sorry, I should have put it here next to me. So basically, how does it work? You have a needle in it, and the needle goes through the the cork, uh-huh. and when you pour it out the wine. The wine comes out, and there's another little little um, hole on the needle, and you have argon gas in it uh, on the on the caravan, mm-hmm. and this argon gas is gonna go into the bottle instead of the wine, mm-hmm. and in this case, the wine is not gonna again uh, contact has uh, not gonna have a contact with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what did I say? The oxygen is not oxygen, gonna have contact yes. with the alcohol. Yes, uh, it's gonna be the argon gas in it. So the wine you can keep it again for a couple of months. Oh, wow. So in this case you can keep the wine for like six months. This is easily. such a good gadget as a present, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought Absolutely. to ask you like what uh, like can I buy as a present for like uh, a sommelier or for a person who loves wine because for example yes I think yes. it's a really really good idea. Because for me, for example, now when I was pregnant, this is yes. the only way I, way I, I could taste wines. Uh-huh. Obviously, I had a spit too, so I spit it out the wine. But at least I didn't open the whole bottle. Yes, I could just have a small glass, tasted it, and now that finally I'm not pregnant anymore, I can enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. I <laughs> so understand. I could, I could, I could enjoy it. I didn't have to to wait. So, yes, yeah. it's a really, really good thing. Thank you very, very much. It was so useful, so interesting. And It's my pleasure. <laughs> yes, I'm going to keep. I like the... to talk about wine. <laughs> Me too. I was like looking for a person who can uh, like answer my questions because there are a lot, and I all the time was thinking how to find out because a lot of people they have questions, and when, for example, uh, even me and my friends when we go to buy wine, we are thinking like. Like maybe we have to take this one because it has very nice bottle or very nice uh, sticker okay. or like I don't know just the price. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but there about glasses, about like how to keep, how to choose. It was very interesting, very useful. Thank And you. of course, uh, if someone is interested, it's another thing I do. It's the private study sessions as well or private tasting. Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to learn about just one specific topic of the wine. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to go for a whole wine course, then it's uh, it's like a, a one hour or a ninety minute session. Then it can arrange as well. And then if everyone has a question or everyone has a a, a favorite topic that they want to learn about, just contact me, and then uh, <laughs> I'm happy to do Great. it. 
Great, yes, this yeah. I believe like uh, is a description. I believe all your contact details if someone has thank this, you. yes, <laughs> in their mind. And thank you very much. Nice to meet thank you. you. <laughs> yes, nice meet thank you. you for your yes, uh, very good uh, information, uh, recommendations, and so on. Thank you. Yes, okay. Yeah. See you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.